TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is That Paleo Show with your hosts, Stephanie Wozolik, Dr. Yana James, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Stephanie Wozlick. I'm Dr. Yana James. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. And we have a really cool guy on our show today. So Abel James, who's also known as the Fat Burning Man, has an interesting story that he'll share with us, but he's also a best-selling author, coach, public speaker, podcaster, radio show host, and even a musician. Um, he was formerly a strategic advisor to the food and beverage industry, but now exposes the truth behind these misleading propaganda and special interests um, in the industry. So we can't hear, wait to hear what he has to say. So let's get right into it. Welcome to the show, Abel. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's awesome to be here, I, I guess, virtually across the pond. That's it. <laughs> yeah, a little ways away here in the U.S. or in Australia. I guess it's a little bit late for you right now. Yeah. Well, it's it's not too bad. It's definitely red wine o'clock. <laughs> Perfect. Well, you have quite the diverse background. And I mean, the three of us know your story, but maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit about how you made such a dramatic change from working in the food and beverage industry to being a health advocate. Sure. I'd love to. There are a few different ways I can I can tell my story. <laughs> the first is that I'll, I'll try to squeeze them both in. So I, I've always been very interested in health. My mom... Uh, is a nurse practitioner and very into holistic medicine, alternative therapies. So whenever I got sick, when I was a little kid, she would always bring out all these crazy smelling tinctures and bombs and other things like that, as opposed to kind of the tr traditional sort of medicine that most people um, <laughs> are exposed to when they're sick. And so I always kind of had that appreciation for thinking about the fringe and, and new um, therapies or, or very old therapies as they might be in Ayurvedic medicine or uh, anything like that. And, and so that brought me down the path of being a vegetarian for a while. And that worked okay until uh, <laughs> a few things in life happened. I was, I was working in consulting, working very hard, not sleeping a heck of a lot. And my health really started to go downhill. Every time I went to the doctor, I was, uh, I was a little bit heavier. Um, I was getting overweight. My blood pressure was skyrocketing and my thyroid pretty much crapped out. My body temperature was 96 degrees uh, I <laughs> did wow. everything I could to try to raise it above that. My doctor said, well, you know, that's not a big deal. You'll just have to go out and run more. And so I went out and ran more <laughs> and I ate even less fat and I, you know, had absolutely zero cholesterol in any of the food that I ate and I kept getting fatter and sicker and clearly that wasn't working. And one day I came home and my, uh, my apartment building was up in a 30 foot wall of flames and lost everything. Wow. And then my entire life was a disaster and my my health really went off a cliff at that point. And so I just thought, well, if everything else is out of my control, at least I can focus on getting my health under wraps. And so I, I basically fired my doctor and uh, spent <laughs> a couple of years with my with my nose deep in the research of, uh, you know, looking at old bodybuilding stuff and, uh, you know, fat loss manuals from 30 years ago and combining that with like pretty much any diet book I could find and medical journals and, and scientific research, which is a lot of my background. And what I came up with was the exact opposite of what I had been doing 
which is what I thought was healthy at the time. And as soon as I made that change, I lost 20 pounds in 40 days and went wow. from being very sick and low energy and having, you know, a puffy face from a malfunction and malfunctioning thyroid and, you know, all this gut inflammation and bad stuff happening to being, you know, that was in my early 20s. And, and uh, as soon as I started eating correctly and, and exercising in the right way, I'm, you know, a sprightly young lad again. <laughs> and it was just, it was amazing how easy that was uh, once I followed the right advice. And so uh, it was after that point that I decided, wow, that was amazing. Doesn't everyone deserve to know this? And so I've, I've spent the past few years just trying to get the word out in any way that I can that there is a better way than, than what the fitness magazines tell you to do and what conventional wisdom tells you uh, is healthy uh, because it's, it's just not. <laughs> yeah, nice. It <clears throat> sounds like a similar sort of uh, racket of advice that I got from um, a specialist I saw when I was getting heavy and they sort of said, you know, you need to do more exercise. And I was like, well, I'm already doing an hour a day. I work three jobs. I'm going to uni. What else do you want yeah. me to do? And um, this is my diet. And she said, oh, you just need to double the exercise you're doing. So she's essentially asking right. me to do two hours a day. And it was just insane, which, I mean, That's definitely um, doing paleo has helped me come across the idea that perhaps more cardio isn't the best thing. Um, and I believe right. you've got a, a similar um, opinion on that. So would you like to talk about maybe some, some chronic cardio stuff versus well, what you do? What do you do and how often do you train and, and what sort of activities do you get up to? Yeah, absolutely. So I was always a runner. I, I loved running mentally. Um, and it was something that I did very often. I was running at least 30 miles a week. And, and at some points, it was 50 miles a week. But that didn't stop me necessarily from gaining weight, especially in my in my mid 20s. So I thought what I was doing was was pretty much the best thing that I could be doing for my body. Um, yeah. But I did have a lot of injuries. Um, I fixed that by by getting into barefoot running many years ago. Um, before it kind of took off when all the best-selling books came on, that sort of thing. Um, and that really, that started to correct my form so I could run for longer, yeah. which is kind of a double-edged sword. So uh, <laughs> I ran marathons for a while. And, uh, you know, I had I had read a bit about, you know, physiology and the way that exercise works and the effects it has on the body. Um, but I didn't really believe that, you know, exercising less would have a better result until I tried it. And what I did was, I, I love guinea pigging on myself. I do it all the time. I, I still do it now. But I, I, I um, so I was training for marathons and then I just ran a 10K. So I, I stopped training for the, the marathon after I ran it. A month later, I ran uh, a 10K. And in both races, I had um, finished in the top 3%. So very similar in terms of, um, you know, competitiveness. So that's kind of like one variable that was that was constant. And so what I stopped doing was running 50 miles a week and started running about five miles a week and running uh, sprints instead of this kind of like long extended session, which could be two to three hours long of running at the same pace, which was, you know, just fast enough uh, where I could keep going and have a reasonably good time, but not completely keel over and die. <laughs> um, so I did that. I stopped. I took pictures. And I measured my body fat and my weight. And what I found was that when I was running marathons, uh, my body fat was higher. My body, so generally I walk around at about 170, you know, 167, 170. That's like a very healthy weight for me. Um, and I'm about 5'9". When I was running marathons, I was down to 148. 
And so it, it basically had just eaten a bunch of my muscle away. And so that actually left me, left me with a higher body fat that when I switched um, to, to doing the sprints, in one month's time, I had, um, I had regained many pounds of muscle. Um, and I have a picture. This is a pretty popular blog post that's, that's on my website. Yeah. Um, you, you compare the pictures and you can just see like my face is completely hollowed out in the first one. You can tell that I'm kind of puffy, but like really skinny and small. And then in the second one, when I'm doing sprints, uh, I put on quite a bit of muscle. I have a six pack and I have like exposed muscles. And that's, that's pretty much the only change that I made in that month was exercising less. And so it wasn't until I did that, that I really started getting on that, that, um, school of thought that you can train a heck of a lot less and have better results. Uh, if you do the right things and, and most of the right things that you'll want to do is exercise to the point of stimulus where your body knows that it needs to be anabolic or grow or retain muscle. And the best way to do that is, is by doing sprints or, or short intense bursts of, uh, activity combined with some sort of strength or weight training. Yeah. So I will, I've seen those photos and they're really impressive. Like the changes are so stark from before and after It's pretty cool. So I encourage people to go to your website and, uh, and check those out. But um, in terms of the exercise you were actually doing, when you've mentioned sprints, so how exactly were you doing that? Like how far were you sprinting? How many reps were you doing? How long were you taking? And then I guess in between that, what, what, what was the interval training you were doing? What did that actually look like in terms of exercises and timings and that sort of stuff? Yeah, the most effective protocol that I found are really just Tabatas because they're so simple. Yeah. Uh, and, and what that is is basically 20 seconds of all-out sprint and then 10 10 seconds of recovery or, or rest. And you do that about 10 times in a row. And you can do it less or a little bit more. It doesn't really matter. You know, there's no particular reason that you need to be exact every single time. But that that's the type of um, burst training that I was doing then and the kind that I still do today. And it has a huge effect. I mean, if you want to look and feel like an athlete and be explosive and powerful uh, and athletic, then you should train like an athlete, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> most people don't do that. You know, they they uh, they go to school or whatever, and they're maybe they played sports and they look and felt the best of their lives. Um, and a lot of that isn't just because they're young; it's because they're training the right way. You know, they're they're doing suicides and they're they are sprinting and they're playing and they're they're being active as opposed to what most adults do, which is just kind of like slogging into the gym in the morning or at night and drinking a cup of black coffee and then just strapping yourself to a treadmill or a stairmaster <laughs> for an hour or so yeah. you're kind of just like lazily going about and and to be perfectly honest yes that does help a little bit but mostly it just makes you miserable it's great <laughs> at doing that it's a very effective exercise for making you miserable. i don't know if you enjoy it go for it but um most people don't there's there's just a better way so, yeah. so Ava, when you're doing those Tabatas, are you just doing like one exercise for five minutes and, and that's it? Or are you doing like a couple of different exercises back to back in terms of those reps of Tabatas? So generally, I'll, I'll do sprints because it's, it's just uh, there's a wonderful park by my house. I take my dog there and, uh, and I find that doing sprints is the easiest way to do it if you have the space. If you don't, like say I'm traveling, then um, <laughs> one of the most bone crushingly efficient exercises is doing burpees. And so I'll do that in my <laughs> hotel room, much to the chagrin of people who live below me at, you know, <laughs> at 6 a.m. <laughs> but, uh, my chagrin too. I don't like burpees. I think I need to do them more and that's probably my issue. <laughs> yeah, that's, if you don't like burpees, do them more. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, so I mean, it's tough to do them. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's all about finding what works for you. So I mean, that's a killer way to get a you know five minute workout in. Um, that will be extraordinarily effective. If you're not completely smoked by the end of it, then you're doing it wrong. But that doesn't mean that you need to do that, right? You can you can make it a 15 minute exercise um, that doesn't include burpees. It includes maybe bicycle sprints or um, or even doing 10 second sprints with 20 seconds of rest or something like that. Just do whatever your body um, can do. Push it a little bit, um, but if it's if it's miserable, you're doing it wrong. That's that's kind of my perspective on everything. You know, people kind of, I'm big on setting goals and, and reaching them and challenging yourself. But at the same time, you need to enjoy your life. And if you hate working out, you're just not going to do it. Uh, and I'm big into the mental game and compliance and that sort of thing. So it's, you just have to start where you are and, and try to get better um, and, and try to get more efficient. But just because I work out in five minutes sometimes doesn't mean that everyone else has to. If you want to do a 30-minute workout, that's excellent, you know, and a lot of people do. But it doesn't mean that you need to, to completely uh, destroy yourself every time either. Mm. Yeah, because we're always looking for ways to, to put fitness into your life, and it has to be fun, like you said, or else you'll never do it. So, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a really yeah. good philosophy. Let's underline that for everyone. Fitness should be fun. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... You talk a lot about what you call neo-paleo, I think. Uh, so I thought maybe we could start talking about food a little bit, and maybe you could tell us kind of your take on paleo and how it's maybe a little bit different. Sure. So as I, as I kind of mentioned, like in my journey, I found um, paleo after I kind of came to the same independent conclusion of what a diet should look like. Mm. And that was mostly informed by... Uh, by the research that I did both in, you know, medical journals and, and things like that combined with, uh, what I found anecdotally and what, you know, fitness models and celebrities and bodybuilders do to lean down, which is a controlled carb diet, usually relatively, um, high in protein and oftentimes high in fat, which is excellent also for brain health. And that's, that's kind of my background, uh, in terms of research is, is optimizing brain function. Hmm. Um, so, that was very fascinating to me. My take on paleo is that when I first came across paleo, it was it was Lauren Cordain's um, original book that came out a little over a decade ago, and I was not a huge fan because it was super low fat. You know, said that canola oil was okay, and you know, saturated fat was to be avoided and that sort of thing. And uh, obviously, he's he's changed his stance as the years have gone by, and and paleo has evolved, so to speak. But when I first found it. it it wasn't what I was doing. Um, so when I came up with my, with my own protocols, um, they weren't necessarily attached to the word paleo. So I kind of just came up with whatever I wanted, what, what seemed like um, worked for me and worked for people who were leaning down uh, as a fat loss protocol if they're doing uh, you know a fitness competition or something like that. Uh, and so I'm a bit more lenient. Um, people know that I do consume dairy I've done a lot of food allergy testing and, and self-quantification, and I am allergic to certain things that are paleo, so I don't eat those. I'm not allergic to other things that are not paleo. So I do eat um, rice from time to time. I, I eat uh, tubers. Sometimes it's even a white potato, <laughs> and someone's probably going to try to throw a nightshade at me. But um, <laughs> I also uh, 
I, I, I'm definitely a proponent of eating gluten-free, but we do have some heirloom grains from time to time. So the way that I, the way that I see it is that uh, some major changes happened, obviously, with the advent of agriculture. But when things really started going wrong, uh, that was only about a, a generation or two ago. It was only a few decades ago that, that we started to get very fat and sick. And so um, I, I want to be careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think that there are lots of foods that even if um, cavemen didn't necessarily eat them, um, they can still be a part of a healthy diet today. Um, that does not include modern wheat. It doesn't include any processed foods. And it doesn't include um, sugars for the most part. But it does include some of these other things. So, Abel, I guess it seems like you've come to this process very much initially through the, the, the fat burning idea and all, and all about sort of burning fat and losing weight. And obviously, you know, it sounds like now you're more coming at it from a, I guess, a health perspective, an overall health perspective. Um, so so right. how did you sort of, how did you find the distinction between those two? Like, did you find there was a difference between uh, perhaps what the ideal thing would be to lose weight versus what was going to give you sort of optimal health in the longer term as well? I've never actually gotten that question. I love that because <laughs> I was, uh, man, it was so hard for me to be healthy when I was following the wrong, wrong advice, yeah. <laughs> like eating super low fat and eating no cholesterol and, uh, and doing what I was doing before trying to be healthy was so hard and I was getting fat and sick because of it. Yeah. Um, so when I'm, when I made that switch, I mean, it was very easy actually to, um, to start following I, I tried to follow fat loss advice because I was getting fat, right? yes. <laughs> but, but ultimately it was always for health. Um, and, and so I think for better or worse, a lot of people kind of like find this lifestyle because they, they are carrying around extra weight. Um, but the reason that they stay is for the health. They, they just feel yeah. better when they follow, um, a, a diet that works appropriately with their bodies. And usually uh, a healthy body tends to be leaner than a body that is not healthy. And that's not always the case, but it usually is. So I think that they are kind of wrapped up with each other. So when it comes to fat loss, there are certain things that are very effective that might not be good for you. And restriction is, is one of those. You know, if you are leaning down for a fitness competition or something like that, um, then generally speaking, you have to restrict, um, I hate to say calories, but you have to restrict the food that you're taking into your body or you have to increase output to some degree. Um, that's not at all necessary if you want to be healthy. Mm. Uh, it's very important to uh, to nourish your body with as much nutrients as possible. Um, and, and oftentimes that means eating a substantial amount of food. So I'm definitely a big eater. <laughs> I love eating food. <laughs> and, and so I'll gladly um, ha have a blurry six-pack from time to time if it means that I can eat something that I really enjoy or or if it makes me feel better. So one of the things that I definitely encourage people to do uh, is eat for the way that they feel, not necessarily for the way that they look. And I'm not talking about, you know, the way that you feel when you eat an Oreo or, or you know, maple <laughs> sugar or eat ice cream. I'm talking about the way that you feel not only when you're eating it, but, you know, 10 seconds later, 10 minutes later, 10 hours later, 10 years later. Um, yeah, which foods give you energy? Which, which ones make you feel awful? Uh, and I think if people are honest with themselves, they uh, then that's a pretty good barometer of which foods are good and which ones aren't. Yeah. I think a lot of time people make themselves more stressed and therefore have more issues if they're worrying about every single thing that's going in their mouth. I know I certainly found that I think 
you know, because I was being so conscious of it, it was actually having a detrimental effect long term, even though it might have been healthiest for my cells, it wasn't healthiest for my right. mind. Um, yes. Abel, you mentioned that you were allergic to some paleo things. Um, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. So I did the the MRT test, which is very similar. It's, it's the new edition of the ALCAT test, which some people might be familiar with. And uh, that, that basically measures your blood response to certain foods. And there's a, there's a laundry list that you can get tested. The ones that I, uh, you know, most people expect to be allergic to, to fish or eggs or dairy or, you know, kind of the common ones, maybe some yeah. nuts. Yeah. For me, um, dairy came back completely clean and I was like, wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> Cause I, I love my cream and <laughs> my cheese and all of that other stuff and, and milk from time to time. Um, but what came back as highly allergic, and this is very surprising to me, was uh, a big one was olives. Oh. Uh, another was was honey, right. and uh, mm. an, another was grapefruit. And these are things that I was each each one of those I was eating on purpose and having more of it than I otherwise would. You know, if I were just eating for taste or whatever, because I I thought that it was healthy for me. You know, I was taking a bee pollen supplement. Um, I was. Uh, having royal jelly, and I was I was taking shots of olive oil if I was really hungry. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. turns out that's horrible for for me personally because my body is reacting and and having more inflammation and having trouble digesting that stuff. It's actually having an immune response um, to this food. So for me, that was infinitely valuable because uh, for me, it's it's no skin off my back if if I'm using macadamia nut oil instead of olive oil, or if I'm eating an orange instead of a grapefruit. It really doesn't matter to me. Or, you know, a lot of people are just like, well, honey, aren't you totally bummed out like that you can't eat honey anymore? And it's like, no, I can eat maple syrup and, you know, whatever else I want to have. Um, so it, just knowing that one thing is horrible for you and another thing is okay, like that that information is, is very useful because um, I enjoy oranges all the time and it's not like they're worse than grapefruit. It's just something that, you know, I'm going in with the correct information now. And so I, I think it's really important. Paleo is a wonderful place to start because it automatically takes out uh, a processed foods and a lot of the stuff that makes you fat uh, and sick. But I, I think for most people, you can go further than that. You can make it even better. It's, it's all about finding the foods that work well with your body and eliminating the ones that don't work well with your body. Definitely. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, Abel. I think I just did a similar test. I don't know what the name was um, compared to the one that you did. Maybe yours was an American one. But I found out that I was sensitive to eggs. And it's funny because I haven't really? really enjoyed eggs for most of my life. I don't really like them. But since going oh, paleo, I tried to incorporate more eggs into my diet and stuff. And it's just interesting how your body tells you really that I shouldn't be eating those things. But but yeah, yeah, you think they're healthy, so you try and incorporate them. And it really is important that people kind of customize paleo to themselves. And like you said, eliminating processed foods is something everyone should do. But then you can tailor it after that. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a constant journey. Yeah, and I've, I liked what you said earlier about guinea pigging on yourself. Um, it makes <laughs> so much sense because no one else out there has the body that you have. So you need to work That's out right. what your body does best with. Um, the other thing that you, because you did that test after you'd already eliminated a whole heap of inflammatory stuff, right? 
Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, because I think some people might get allergy tests when they have IBS or irritable bowel or dysbiosis. Right. And, and so because they've got leaky gut, their body is reacting to so much stuff because it's just reactive already. So I think yeah. there's probably a place for actually getting your diet pretty clean, getting rid of all of those processed foods, getting rid of the, the, the grains and glutens and that sort of thing, and then doing the test to see if there's further stuff that even that, that your body's reacting to when it's healthy. That's yeah, that's a very good point. Mm, yeah. Hey Abel, you mentioned before you were talking about sort of controlled carb and high protein and high fat in terms of the diet. Uh, you know, do you have a rough sort of percentage that you like to go by in terms of the, the ratios of those macro, macronutrients? I think it's useful to uh, for me anyway to fill up on fat and protein um, or fiber. I, sh- I should also include. I am I'm a huge proponent of eating vegetables first and kind of getting that that bulk uh, of your meal as from from plant-based foods and then kind of rounding it out with with fat which is much higher in caloric um, energy than than say a vegetable is uh, but it's not higher in bulk and then also having a fair amount of protein I do well just you know my body type tends to do pretty well with with quite a bit of protein compared to some other people um, and also quite a bit of fat so that's what works well for me. If, if you talk about percentages, generally speaking, that's 60 to 70% of my calories uh, from fat and the rest is protein with a bit of carbs thrown in there too. But I'll also, you know, it, it depends on how much I'm training. The, the more that you're doing something, right now I'm doing Krav Maga, which is fairly intensive physical nice. self-defense training. Yeah. And so um, like I, I just had a, a blog post a couple of weeks ago about a seven hour Krav Maga test, which I took. And so, um, did I eat a lot of carbs before that day? You bet I did. <laughs> I, I needed to survive. Um, yeah. and, and so I, I do, I definitely adjust based upon how active I am. Uh, and, and the more active you are generally, the more carbs you can dispose of, but, uh, it's, I don't have any sugars. I used to, you know, when I was running marathons, uh, I'd be sucking down those goo packs and the gels <laughs> and the Gatorade and stuff. And it's just not good for you. Uh, it's it's just not, it, and you make a lot of sacrifices. You might shave a little bit off your time, but for me, not worth it. So uh, mm. I love sweet potatoes and and a bit of rice and other sort of paleo friendly um, carb sources, and that that tends to get me through. Yeah, well, and it goes back to that you can get all of that stuff from real food. It doesn't have to come right. from from these disgusting processed <laughs> packages. <laughs> well, we no. only have, we only no, have a few minutes left, but maybe you could give us a few tips of things that you know now that you kind of wish you had known at the beginning of your journey because it was kind of a struggle for you at the beginning. So what, what can we share with people who might be going through the same thing? Oh, boy. That, <laughs> that being healthy and that being lean is achievable for almost everyone out there. Um, being something, something that a lot of people uh, accept is just like that they have bad genetics or something like that. That's what I thought was happening to me. All of the all of these issues that I was having, not being able to sleep, having a puffy face, just having a gut or whatever. Even though I'm, you know, in my early twenties or whatever when this is happening, I'm like, oh, you know, it's just my genes. It happened to you know, my my brother or my my father or my uncle or whatever. Um, my mom had thyroid issues and stuff like that. It just happens. You do not need to accept that. Mm. You can be healthier 
than whatever is happening to you, nice. <laughs> uh, especially if you're young or, or you're supposed to be in your prime. And, and when I say young, I'm talking like below 60 or maybe even 70 years old. You know, there's no <laughs> reason that your body should be breaking down before that. Um, it's all about the choices that you make. So I think I think that's the biggest one, just knowing that it is possible to be very lean, very healthy. Um, if if you learn how to kind of like hack your own body, um, guinea pig on yourself and, and figure out what foods and what lifestyle is right for you. Yes, we all have different body types and that sort of thing, but it's so important to know that it is possible. And then, you know, I, I think another thing that is super important is just to uh, eliminate all the noise. Like there are these studies that come out that are <laughs> sponsored by who knows who in the food <laughs> industry. Usually it's, it's pretty easy to tell when like <laughs> a, a study comes out that says that <laughs> breakfast cereal is wonderful for ch children's health. It's usually sponsored by someone like Kellogg's, you know, mm -hmm. they have, uh, so, um, not worrying about those ridiculous studies that go back and forth. Like eggs are the worst thing for your heart. You're going to die. Or then like eggs are superfood <laughs> right? yeah. the next day. And so just like ignore all of that nonsense. Eggs are not a superfood. Eggs are not terrible for your health. They're eggs. And we've been <laughs> eating eggs forever. Um, so when you, when you hear that stuff, like don't worry about the media sensationalizing all of this nonsense, just eat real food and, and don't worry about it so much. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so important to have, I guess, a bit of an underlying philosophy, like an underlying reason behind why you eat the way you eat, because right. cause if, you, if you don't have that kind of underlying philosophy to come back to and to check in with, you do end up just jumping, you know, backwards and forwards between all the different research and the latest advice and the latest fads and the latest trends and you know all that sort of stuff and and I, I think that's why the the whole paleo movement is is so useful is because it gives us a, a foundation a groundwork to kind of check in against and say well does that make yeah. sense from an evolutionary perspective and and so often it just doesn't yeah absolutely and you have so many other people who are doing it with you now um, so you can joke about how great bacon and chocolate is. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you also mentioned earlier some heirloom grains. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. So, what uh, what grains do you do you consume, and, and how much do you have them, and and you know when do you use those as well? Usually, it's it's for the things that are substitutes for treat foods. So, um, my girlfriend Allison, uh, we did a, a cookbook together a while back, gluten free desserts. And so, you know, when when you adopt a paleo lifestyle, you do eliminate naturally just like a lot of foods that you grew up eating so uh, yeah. it could be pizza or it could be pie uh, or, or something else like that so when uh, it, it's pretty difficult to make some of these things especially like breads so with some exceptions if you're totally paleo but if you include some of these grains that you know generations ago we used that weren't these massively manipulated totally uh, ridiculous creatures that are <laughs> grains today like modern wheat that will definitely destroy your gut, give you all sorts of problems. When you go back to uh, older strains of wheat, or um, one that I really like uh, is is oats. I used it a lot when I was running, um, but you can get gluten-free oats. Um, if you have just a bit of those, it's not a heck of a lot different than having a bit of rice or a bit of sweet potato or a bit of other starchy grain. It's not going to do much for you um, in terms of health if you're not exercising, if you're not active, um, because it does tend to raise your blood sugar in any significant quantity. Um, but also, it's it's nice to enjoy treats from time to time. So that's kind of the, the place that they uh, 
or the role that they play in in my diet is uh, it's it's a way to make a delicious pie and enjoy every second of it because um, we all deserve that from time to time, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, uh, especially if it's after a seven-hour marathon session of Krav Maga. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing right now because I have a pie on my kitchen counter nice. <laughs> that I made. I made it with a nut crust. It's an apple pie. Oh, I right. used awesome. persimmons to sweeten it. So yeah, I'm it up right there now. you go. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so yeah, that's that's a big part of it too. It's like. I do this for fat loss and for health and all these other reasons, but I'm also at heart a foodie. I love delicious food. And so um, sometimes it does mean getting a bit creative with using gluten-free grains or something like that, which is outside of the paleo template. But at the same time, if you, it, it's all about the, the choices that you make the vast majority of the time. Yeah. Um, the, the little routine ones that you don't think about, those are the ones that really affect your health. And if you stray off from time to time and you have a bit of pie, like you deserve it. You know, Every once in a while, that's okay. And you shouldn't freak out. Yeah. I know my husband always says, you know, I eat extremely well so that on occasion I can have something that's maybe not the best thing for me, but at least I'm not having it three meals a day. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, Abel, we're out of time for today, but I just, before we go, I want to point some people, point our listeners in, uh, towards your websites and some things that you've done. So, uh, Abel has a fat loss program and a coaching community. He also has some cookbooks, like he mentioned today. So you can check out his website, which is www.fatburningman.com. And the best thing to do there is just to sign up for his email list. And that way you can get all of this wonderful information on a, a recurring basis. So, yeah. Is there anything else you want to add to that? Did I miss anything, Abel? No, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. It's it's a pleasure. Wonderful. Well, we had a lot of fun listening to you. So we'll sure definitely did. keep listening to your podcast and check out your blog in the future. So um, until next week, everyone, check us out on Facebook, share your story, and help to grow the Paleo Tribe worldwide. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Hi, Dr. Brett Hill from That Paleo Show here. Would you like to dedicate 10 hours to yourself to get your nutrition, your exercise, and your mindset all on track? Would you like to do it with the wellness guys, the Up For A Chat girls, and over 500 other wellness enthusiasts? Then you have to join us Saturday, August the 17th at Crown Melbourne for our next wellness summit. We'd love to see you there. For great group discounts and to secure your spot, go to www.thewellnesssummit.com.